0: You are listening to Packers Now. Get the latest updates on the Green and Gold, because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Hello everybody, I'm your host Ben Kurkowski, and today is what we're going to call General Manager Monday. So for this General Manager Monday, I want to talk about the current Packers roster, take a broad look at what to do with the impending free agents for the Packers, current players who should be considered to be cut or traded by the Packers, and how this will affect the salary cap. So first, today, the Packers have 14 impending players about to reach free agency. Oh, no, that's not correct. There's 19 impending players about to reach free agency. Um, And if the the Packers do not figure out contracts with these players by March 18th, they will be available to all 32 teams. So before we look at these players, it's important to think from a financial perspective, where these decisions would place the Packers. So so the Packers currently have about $25 million before the Crosby signing. So kicker Mason Crosby uh, was actually signed to a three-year extension with the Packers on Saturday, which is exactly what the Packers needed to do. He was one of the best kickers in the league and had a career year in 2019, hitting 22 of 24 of his field goal attempts, which is above 91%. One important thing to notice is that Crosby has hit 26 of 29 playoff field goals throughout his career and has hit 65 of 65 of his extra point attempts in the playoffs as well, which just shows how clutch he is in big-time moments. It was a great decision by the front office to secure the kicker position for the next three years. Um, The deal looked like it was going to be a three-year 12 and a half million dollar deal where he'll get paid about 6 million this year um and so that'll put the packers around 19 21 million somewhere in that range there's some things that need to be worked out so it's kind of a range right now but um now looking forward um there are oh there are 19 free agents uh other than Mason Crosby after since he was signed um, that are on this list that we're going to talk about today, and I'm going to read those off right away. But there's tackle, starting tackle Brian Blaga, starting corner, slot corner, versatile veteran Tremont Williams, linebacker Blake Martinez, tackle Jared Valdir, receiver Geronimo Allison, tight end Mercedes Lewis, tackle Jason Spriggs, uh, running back Ryan Grant, Edge rusher, Kyler Fackrell, linebacker, B.J. Goodson, safety, Will Redmond, running back, uh, punt returner, Tyler Irvin, fullback, Danny Vitale, safety, Ibrahim Campbell, wide receiver, Alan Nazar D tackle Tyler Lancaster, corner, Chan Sullivan, safety, or uh, tight end, Robert Tanyan, so... 18 19 there's a bunch of impending free agents not a ton of huge names and some of those free agents you have to consider are restricted free agents would make which makes it harder for other teams to be able to pick them up because they'd have to get rid of draft capital to sign a contract but um uh still they are free agents um and so to start today I want to look at which Packer, which players the Packers should let walk in free agency. Um, and I think there are about 10 of them that I consider. There's receiver, Jake Kummerow, and receiver, Geronimo Allison. There's running back, Ryan Grant. Tight end, Mercedes Lewis. Tackle, Jason Sprigs, Safety, Will Redmond linebacker B.J. Goodson, edge rusher Kyler Frackrell, and cornerback Tremont Williams, and finally uh, linebacker Blake Martinez. You know, some big names on this list that I want to highlight um, that should be gone for the Packers are cornerback Tremont Williams, linebacker Blake Martinez, and receivers Jeronimo Allison and Jake Kummerow. So first, let's get into Tremont Williams. So Tremont is one of the most veteran players for this Packers team. I want to start by saying Tremont is the man, and it's amazing how he can still be playing at this level at his age. He brings expertise and versatility with his ability to play in the slot and on the outside for the Packers. He had a, he actually had a dominant year uh, according to Pro Football Focus. He had a 75.1 grade, which is a top 15 grade at his position. Yet, I don't think the Packers should pay him to come back next season. Um, although he's been good in this Packers defense, I just don't think he can play up his, keep up his play at his age. And right now you're gonna have to pay him for how good of a season he just had last year. Tremont Williams would be owed to probably about 5 million to come back for the Packers if it happened before free agency. I don't see any team in the NFL paying Tremont Williams to play next year uh, except the Packers at his age. So I would like to see how free agency uh, pans itself out, how the draft plays itself out. And if we don't like the depth that the, we have at the corner position at that point after the draft, then I would consider calling up Tramon Williams and, signing him to another one-year deal for about $4 million. But right away, I think we have to let him walk because he's going to get paid too much money if we're trying to sign him right away during free agency or even beforehand. Um, He's due for regression because of his age, and we can't pay for a corner who's just too slow to be on the field and because of his age. So second big name, linebacker Blake Martinez. Many people have stated this since the NFC championship game where our run defense was just atrocious. And Blake Martinez was nowhere to be found, lacking the speed to get after the 49ers running backs. And many people have been calling his name. But Blake has been the center of our defense for many years now. He's been um, a lead tackler in the NFL, but I would say he's been average at the linebacker position to say the least. Never has he dominated in any part of his game, whether that was an ability to stop the run or cover defenders downfield in man or even in just zone coverage. I like him as a leader, and I appreciate his unique ability to run a defense with his amazing intelligence graduating out of Stanford, but the Packers and Gutekunst want to add speed to their defense, and Martinez just doesn't bring that for the Packers. Most importantly, Martinez is set to hit the market, and his market value—I'm not sure why, but just because of his statistics, how many tackles he's had over the last three years—is about 16 million a year, which just isn't worth it. Uh, I don't think for any team to pay that, and especially for the Packers, uh, I think um, he's just going to get paid because of the amount of tackles he ha- he's had. And I think if teams really look into it, they're going to realize those tackles came five, seven, eight four yards down the field um the last three seasons the packers can find someone of martinez's value in the draft probably in the fourth round at the worst um um i think players like blake martinez uh are all over the draft uh who have his athleticism can be okay at linebacker and hold up uh and we can—he's easily, I think, replaceable. We still have Oran Burks, who has the potential with his athleticism to find a role that uh, Gulikans, I think, really wants uh, to add more speed to that position. He hasn't panned out thus far, but I think next year he might have an opportunity to do so. With Martinez out of the way, and uh, two preseason fan favorites. Uh, Undrafted linebacker last year, Curtis Bolton, and 7th rounder, Ty Summers. They both had phenomenal preseasons last year, and they actually had promised to step into that role after another offseason of learning Patton's defense, as it does seem to be complex at times for new people. Lastly, uh, the last two big names that the Packers should let walk are Geronimo Allison and receiver Jake Kumaro. After missing last season, many hoped... Geronimo would return t- uh, to be kind of a go to guy for Rodgers. Um the season, though, Allison struggled to get open or even hold on to the ball. Although he uh played the second most snaps of all receivers. He only had two hundred and eighty-four yards receiving that and that just can't happen. That's just uh you can't be on the field for more than fifty percent of the snaps and have only 284 yards of receiving he he's just got to go he's just not fast enough to be in the nfl he doesn't create separation and he's struggled to even hold on to the football this year dropping passes fumbling the ball um he's gone secondly jake kumaro he's a fan favorite for sure even Rodgers to speak highly of kumaro um but after being on the roster for a few years now um he's done well with where he started in the nfl as just a practice squad receiver um And he is a good run blocker, which is something. But you can't have receivers on your roster only on their ability to block defensive backs. Um, Sadly, Kumaro's time, I think, has to be up in Green Bay. We just have to get new, fresh players in our offense. So now, though, uh, looking at the second part, there's about... 10 people free agents we need to let walk. And there's about nine free agents who I'd be really excited about coming back, but that does cost money. And so the Packers should seriously consider um, bringing back right tackle Brian Palacca, tackle Jared Valdir, fullback Danny Vitale, running back, uh, punter, specialist Tyler Irvin, tight end Robert Tanyan, cornerback Chan Sullivan, D tackle Tyler Lancaster, and safety. Ibrahim Campbell. So first, let's look at the tackle position for the Packers. And we'll get into this in the next segment for the Packers. But some of the biggest needs, I think, come on this offensive line. Our offensive line for the Packers is one of the most important positions um, and has been uh, for many years. You've seen that in Ted Thompson's draft philosophy, drafting first round offensive linemen consistently with using top for second round picks on their tackle positions. The tackle position is hard um, to hit on. And one of the bigger names to hit free agency for the Packers is right tackle, Brian Balaga. And so for Rodgers, that's a big deal. Rogers, uh is a quarterback that is known for holding on to the ball. He held the ball, the sixth longest in the league on average. And if that's going to be the case, the Packers need to have some of the best pass blockers in the NFL to maintain blocks that long. Um, like I said before, tackles are one of the hardest positions to find quality players for in the NFL. And this shows just how important it would be that the Packers figure out a deal with Bulaga before free agency hits. Um, Bulaga has struggled to stay healthy over the years, but when healthy, he has been one of the top right tackles in the NFL. His market value is somewhere to be around like a three-year, $30 million deal, so about averaging $10 million a year. And I believe something like that would be totally worth it to secure uh, our entire offensive line. Um, it's a, a position that's too important to overlook. It's too hard to replace. And the Packers need to keep blogger to secure our offensive line as one of the best pass blocking lines in the NFL and a top run blocking line, even just as last year too. Next right tackle tackled Jared Valdir. So I'm very interested to see what will happen with Valdir. Personally, I would love to see him come back for the Packers. At the end of the year, he came in twice for Balaga, who was injured, and once in the playoffs, and he killed it. He He's at 6'8". He has incredible size that allows him to be a great pass blocker because pass rushers really just struggle to get around him because he's just so big. Uh, he has a ton of experience as a starter in the NFL, and at times, even just three or four years ago he was playing tackle at an elite level um he was retired because of an injury technically and then the packers convinced him to come back at the end of the year and he came back as a backup originally uh and then later had the opportunity to come in and start and so i wonder if he would be willing to come come back again as a backup Uh, to both tackle positions for the Packers uh, because we saw how bad Jason Spriggs was in the past, in the preseason this year. We saw how bad Alex Light was when Blago went out earlier in the year. Uh, The Packers need to have a solid tackle because it's immediately obvious when in the past, when Alex Light or Jason Spriggs or someone else had to play tackle and Rodgers was just under so much pressure that the Packers offense just came to a standstill and had could not produce at all. So I think uh, the Packers could also sign Valdir to a one-year, $3 million deal. Uh, this decision, I think, that and the decision of signing Balaga would shore up the entire offensive line for the next year, having good starters at all positions and solid backups at both tackle positions with Valdir, Backing up left tackle and right tackle, and all three interior spots with backup Lucas Patrick already extended right before the season ended, uh, and so all those these decisions would cost the Packers about thirteen million. Uh, it would put the Packers at a, at about only eight million dollars in cap space, but I think it would be worth it to have the depth and safety, no matter what injuries occurred for the Packers in twenty twenty one. Next, I want to look at uh, running backs. Uh, Tyler Irvin and fullback Danny Vitale. So first running back, Tyler Irvin, he was a unique player for the Packers in our offense. He he actually got inserted late in the season, a ton more, you know, coming in for jet sweeps and quick screens. And he gave the Packers more versatility in their offense and offered uh security as a punt returner which is most important because the Packers were last in the league at returning punts before Tyler Irvin took on the role late in the season. And then Danny Vitale, the fullback, he's really a utility knife for the Packers offensively. They had big plans for him to actually be a decent part of this Packers offense. Like the 49ers use Kyle Jusek, uh, in San Francisco, uh, the top fullback in the NFL, you know, scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, really good player. Um, uh, Vitaly can be a pass catcher. That's what he's known for at his time in Northwestern, while also being able to run block. Uh, But Vitaly was hurt for a good chunk of the season. But he still managed to play 14.1% of the offensive plays, really showing his importance to LaFleur's game plan. So I would keep inside Tyler Irvin and Dan Vitaly to minimum deals of about $650,000, which was none would be guaranteed so that the Packers found replacements in the draft or with an undrafted free agent, they could let either Irvin or Vitali go at that time. So this decision puts the Packers at about $7.3 million in cap space. Next, tight end Robert Tanyan. So Tanyan isn't a great player by any means. He's not a starting tight end in the NFL. But with Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis most likely out of the picture, I believe Robert Tanyan, if he had the playing time of a number two tight end, I think he would produce at an above-average level in the NFL. He's a, he's a former receiver that switched to tight end. His athleticism is for real, and you can tell he's faster than most tight ends. His size at 6'5", 237, makes him difficult to cover for most safeties because he's too big, but for linebackers, he's, he's too fast. And so this year, we saw Tanyan be implemented even more as a run blocker. And you can tell that his strength continues to be built up from his transition from receiver to tight end in the NFL. So I think this would be another really minimum deal, but would shore up a number two tight end position uh, for the Packers uh, at about only $600,000, which would put our cap space at about $6.7 You know, some of these players you're going to notice aren't these big names by any means, but they're, I think, very essential uh, to the Packers uh, f- if they are going to have depth at each position uh, moving forward. Another big name as a weapon for the Packers offensively is receiver Al Lazard. So Lazard came up in big ways for the Packers. Starting the year, he lit up the preseason, but still barely made the roster. Then after weeks of inconsistency from the Packers' more experienced receivers, um, uh, Lazard finally got his chance to play. He took a hold of that opportunity and literally never let go. In just 11 games, he almost had 500 receiving yards, even though he only started three games for the Packers. So at 6'5", Lazard was not just a big body for Rodgers to throw to, but he consistently showed an ability to be on the same page with Rodgers and create separation on his own, which not many receivers could really do this year. I'm excited for Lazard's potential growth when given an entire offseason working with Rodgers as the favorite to win, I'd say, the number three receiver position and possibly even the number two spot for the Packers next season. This will cost a little more knowing his success last year. It'll probably cost about $1.5 million to keep him around, which would put the Packers at about $5.2 million in cap space. Next, quarterback, chain Sullivan. So before I talked about the departure of Tremont Williams because he's going to cost too much. I think he's too old. I, th- And this is mainly because I'm excited for another corner who's been on the roster, chain and Sullivan, to get more playing time for the Packers. So at slot corner, where Tremont Williams mostly plays in the nickel, uh, chain and Sullivan was ranked fourth among all slot corners in the NFL in forced opposing passer ratings at 39.9 allowed which is just amazing yes sullivan didn't have a ton of snaps it was still a good amount though um and being ranked fourth in the league at creating that kind of poor quarterback play just showed how good in coverage he was sullivan is a very cheap option and we could sign again for probably around six hundred thousand dollars a one-year deal putting the packers at about 4.6 million in cap space next uh Moving to the D-line, we're going to look at D-tackle Tyler Lancaster. So Lancaster is another name that has little meaning to most, but he's he started 10 games actually for the Packers this season and five last season as an undrafted free agent. He's still finding his own being a former undrafted player, but he has the strength to continue to be dominant as a run defender in the NFL s- specifically. Another cheaper option for the Packers and another one-year deal of about probably $900,000 would put the Packers at about $3.7 million in cap space and would give them, again, more flexibility moving forward in the draft and free agency, knowing they have him secure coming back. And then finally, the last free agent on this list that we should bring back is Safety Ibrahim Campbell. Uh, another name you probably never even heard of. But actually, he started three games for the Packers due to some injuries this year to our secondary He only played in seven games this year, but Mike Pettin believes he could be a quality starter at safety in the NFL. He joined the team late in 2018. And for only three games, before busting up his knee, he was playing at an elite level. PFF gave him an 85.0 rating, which are top 20 numbers in the NFL of all players. It was a small sample size, but I believe that the full offseason to recover after coming back late in the year He can provide security at safety if an injury did occur to Savage or Amos while coming at a one-year deal at a very cheap price of only $700,000. Our defense implements three safeties more than probably most defenses in the NFL. Safety, The third safety position is almost basically a starter at times for the Packers. So this is a deal that could pay off big time for the Packers if Ibrahim can stay healthy. I think he'll play at a good level for the Packers. So this would bring our cap space to about $3 million, which isn't much and not an ideal place to be. I hate being really close to that uh, cutoff at $0 million. Uh, no more money to spend. Um, but there's some big ways that I want to look into now that the Packers can create cap space going into free agency. So there are players on the Packers roster who many of you know are taking up valuable cap space. And our players the Packers must, not should, not consider, not think about, I'm saying must get rid of either four draft picks or simply just cutting them. And so I'm going to talk about three big players and then a, uh, a whole list of people that just need to go. So first, tight end Jimmy Graham. So possible Hall of Famer Jimmy Graham two years ago was primed to be a touchdown machine in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, yet has caught a total of only five touchdowns over the last two seasons. He's been a huge disappointment overall. He's had the playing time to produce for the Packers, but he just hasn't. He no longer has the hands to match his incredible size. And most importantly, he has literally no speed to create any sort of separation like he used to. He's owed a total of 11.66 million and the Packers need to just cut ties with him. No one's going to trade with us for this contract, but it'll save the Packers 8 million, which will put us at about 11 million in cap space, which is a big deal. Second player is guard Lane Taylor. So, maybe you guys don't recognize that name, but Lane Taylor has been the starting left guard for the Packers for about 3 2 seasons, two or three seasons before This year, he actually started the year as the starter at left guard, but he went on injured reserve in like week three or four and was out for the entire year. The Packers rookie second round pick Elton Jenkins uh, played extremely well when he came in. He literally he played at a Pro Bowl level for the Packers, and now the Packers, because of that reality, can get rid of Taylor to add more cap space. Although Lane Taylor is coming off an injured injured reserve, he's still a starting level guard in the NFL. Uh, he started and play well for the last three seasons for the Packers. I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers were able to trade Lane Taylor for maybe like a fourth round pick because he is on a small contract for only 6 million. And so the Packers could receive more draft capital while also saving about 4.5 million, putting that cap space uh, away and the Packers would be at about 15.3 million. So, Uh, The third main way the Packers can create a ton of cap space is there's a lot of lower players on our roster that I personally have seen enough from that they don't need to be on our roster anymore. Uh, These are players who are on the 53, who are taking up a lot of uh, just valuable space. And so each one is probably like 500,000, 600,000, 200,000, but we know what they're going to bring the Packers and we can just, I think it's time just to let them go. These players include linebacker Tim Williams, center Cole Madison, tackle Alex Light, DN Greg Roberts, receiver Darius Shepard, D-tackle James Looney, tight end Evan Bayless, QB Manny Wilkins, fullback Elijah Wellman, receiver Malik Taylor, and guard John Leglu. Most of those players you've never even heard of, but these moves would actually create 7 million of more cap room, bringing up our cap space to about 22.3 million. So finally, the last move the Packers can make, which not many people have been talking about, but I think is a real reality, uh, is the Packers could consider uh, trading center Corey Lindsley. So this is a move that would add draft capital while also ditching a big contract for the Packers. And so Corey Lindsley, the center for the Packers, has been either a top 10 or top 5 center the last four years. He's been very good and he's played well for the Packers. This year, he kind of had a down year. We saw some regression. He still played good, but not great. And he's probably not worth the amount of cap space he's taking up if he would continue to play at that level next season. It's a big deal to trade away or cut starters on your team. But the Packers have done this before. Remember, right before the season a few years back when the Packers cut Josh Siddon They have a history of being more than willing to cut ties with the player if they're comfortable with the backups they have in place. And they might already, with extending Lucas Patrick, they might believe he could be a starter for them if they had to, and they would be fine with that. I can imagine the Packers may already be in a place looking at this draft class and seeing how much depth there is at the interior in this draft. In the third and fourth rounds, you could easily I think, looking at these rookies that are coming into the draft, draft a starter to replace Lindsey, and if it wasn't a guy that can play center, if you found an interior offensive lineman who could only play guard, Elton Jenkins at left guard can easily move to center and play there. I believe interior offensive linemen are one of the most replaceable players in the NFL, and you can always find replacements in the draft kind of like running backs almost uh, in that way. I believe the Packers could find a team like the Miami Dolphins who lack third and fourth round picks where a lot of that value of interior offensive line seems to be in this draft and trade Lindsley uh, to the Dolphins. And you could even trade probably Lindsley and Lane Taylor at the same time, which would both be starters for the Dolphins, would be huge upgrades for them. They have the cap space and you'd maybe even be able to get like a second round pick back for both of these players, which would be huge. And the Packers would save eight and a half million on that Lindsley contract. So and that move would put the Packers at almost thirty one million in cap space. If the Packers were able to bring back the players we listed, like Bulaga and Lazard, while letting the others walk, like Martinez and Williams, and cutting players like Jimmy Graham, and trading players such as Lane Taylor and Corey Lindsley, the Packers could have just as good of a roster next season while still having over 31.5 million in cap space to possibly grab one or two big free agents that the Packers need to fit those final holes of the roster. And before these moves, the Packers still already had 10 total picks in this draft and could have two more with trades of Taylor and Lindsey, which would be the best position the Packers could be in with how deep this draft class is overall. In conclusion, there are many ways this Packers, the Packers could be in, uh, the Packers team could move going into next season. And today, uh, I just want to start by looking at what the Packers should be doing in-house as we look forward to free agency and most importantly, the NFL draft. So there you have it. Thanks for listening to Packers Now. Next time, we'll talk through the biggest priorities of the offseason for this Packers team. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, review, subscribe to my podcast to get the latest updates on the green and gold. Because, as you guys know, it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.